This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 139. Well, good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. It's a show focused on everything to do with fantasy books, from epic fantasy to urban fantasy, swords and sorcery, space opera, and everything else you can think about in between. Expect to find the best and brightest authors from all the various corners of the fantasy book world here on the show, and uh, the sci-fi book world, too. You know, we just want to keep it going and have everybody that we can come on the show so you can find some great books out there. Kicking off things this week, I am working hard on writing the next book in the Accidental Champion series. This is a lit RPG epic fantasy tale combining great fantasy settings with a light touch of gaming in there. If um, you like either gaming and fantasy settings or reading about fantasy settings, I think you'll enjoy this series. Um, I've enjoyed revisiting Phantasma with Carrie and a brand new character I hope you'll all enjoy. So watch for more updates soon in my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. Uh, Speaking of which, you can check out more information about everything I'm up to, sneak peeks of upcoming covers, special giveaways, and a lot more. Visit my fan group on Facebook, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, over at my website and blog as well, jamiedavisbooks.com. So either of those two places, you can catch up with me. And I look forward to hearing from you, so uh, just go ahead and leave a comment, and uh, I'd love to respond back. Joining us this week on the show is Allegra Pescatore. Allegra grew up in a small village in northern Tuscany and was raised in a community of international artists. After much travel, adventure, and a career in culinary arts, she moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where she currently writes science fiction, fantasy, and runs the Plot Mom YouTube channel. As a disabled author, her goal is to write inclusive, representative fiction where characters who don't usually get center stage have a chance to shine. So here's my chat with Allegra about her book, NACL, Eye of the Storm, and what she's got coming up next. Allegra Pescatore, it is great to have you on the show today. Great to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit about your background, and um, I'd love to know what kind of got you in the idea that it's time to start writing. Absolutely. So um, I am a fantasy and science fiction author. I have two books out where shadows lie, which is epic fantasy and NACL Eye of the Storm, which is arcane punk piracy, uh, as it were. It's kind of hard to define. Um, I started writing very young. I was a kid and both my parents are artists. So I grew up in a creative household and was very much encouraged to pursue any type of art I wanted. And um, I wrote all through high school and participated a lot of NaNoWriMo. I wrote, I think, two or three novels in high school that all got just tossed away because they were high school novels. Um, But then in college, a dear friend of mine passed away and he had been an early um, cheerleader for me and really, really cared about the stories we were telling So after that, I got serious and I finished uh, what ended up being Where Shadows Lie and dedicated it to him. Um, 
And since the moment I decided to indie publish, it's kind of been all I can think about. I, I absolutely love writing and am quite happy to make it my obsessive career. <laughs> no, that's great. No, that's, that's fantastic. Um, I, I was curious in your bio, you sent me, you talked about being an own voices disabled author. Um, and you'd like to really focus on writing inclusive representative fiction. Um, Tell Absolutely. us a, a little bit about what that means for you in specific. Absolutely. I am fairly open about the fact that I'm disabled. I have Ehlers-Danlos type 3, which is a genetic um, condition. It's a connective tissue disease, um, as well as a whole bunch of other things. And they have influenced my life tremendously. And I couldn't really imagine not having them influence my writing Um I often grew up when I was reading as a child, I never really saw characters who were in pain or who struggled to do the, the sword fighting and the um, you know, more physical side of fantasy. And so when it came time to write my own, I remember my early drafts, I was writing very kind of stereotypical, you know, big burly heroes and everyone's capable and, and you know, all of that. And then I stopped and I got my diagnoses and I had a kind of moment where I had to figure out how to process this massive change in my life to have a name to this thing that was a constant source of pain and frustration that I just never had any answers to. And then I kind of, I, I just, I decided I want to represent this in fiction. I want kids who are growing up or adults who are struggling with this to be able to see themselves not just in literary fiction about disability, but in fantasy and science fiction, the kind of novels I love to read, but to see themselves in it. So it's kind of become my, uh, my mission in life. I think that's fabulous. Um, you know, as a nurse, I, I respect that immensely because I think that it's important for people to see themselves in stories and see see all aspects of themselves in different parts of stories. And you're right. There's um, we we try to write characters with different things going on in their lives, and a lot of times it's it's some 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 sort of you know personal mental anguish of some sort. But I think dealing with a, a physical problem is a unique type of situation that gives um, the character something to overcome that that you can you can actually see or represent um, more concretely um, no it's it is a different struggle it in the in some ways it's the same struggle being a minority of any kind is an experience, but every single flavor is its own experience also. And while I try to be as inclusive as possible with, you know, m many different facets, I do, you know, acknowledge that the stories that I can tell, my, my own voices experience is being a disabled woman. And so that's kind of, you know, my primary focus. But I really, you know, I, I have had a lot of fun with it. In my first novel, Where Shadows Lie, the protagonist, Eleanor, has an invisible illness, much like mine. You can't see it. And her family is very critical of her need for canes and wheelchairs. And they, they don't let her use them when out, use them when she's out in public. 
in my second novel, NACL, uh, one of the protagonists is missing one of her arms. And she's a badass pirate captain who has some pretty astonishingly fun prosthetics and has not let this, you know, really slow her down. And it's a very different um, reality. And I really wanted to talk both about, you know, what it kind of feels like to be disabled in a supportive environment and what it feels like to be disabled in a non-supportive environment. Yeah, and you were talking, the, the, the pirate captain um, is, I guess, Lanny from Eye of the Storm? Actually, it is Salome from Salome. Eye of the Storm. Okay. While uh, Lanny is the first character you meet and kind of the character who is, in a way, the MacGuffin for the story. Okay. Um, the character who whose voyage is really at the heart of it is Salome. Okay. Awesome. No, I, it's funny. I was looking, I, I, I looked at the first at the title and I'm like, NACL, Eye of the Storm. What does NACL mean? Then I read it and I'm like, oh, sodium chloride. Okay. I get it. Because <laughs> yes. it's all about, it's all about salt and control of the salt, right? Yes, it is all about salt. And uh, we, we couldn't title it anything other than NACL. It confuses some people, but once you get it, it just makes sense. And, um, one of my passions, as uh, Erica as well, my co-author, uh, we love kind of the dystopian um, environmental decay, resources uh, in the hands of few narrative. It's something like I, one of my formative books was The Monkey Wrench Gang. So I'm a, I'm a little, uh, love just love ecological, um, especially science fiction. And yes, we were very salty about something. So we wrote a book about blowing up a mountain of salt. And it turned into something really heartfelt, but it did start as a kind of a lark and a play on the title. <laughs> That's, I, you know, I, I thought it was really clever when I, when I realized what it was. And, um, and um, I'm curious what it was like um, writing this as, with a co-author. Um, how did you and Erica go about um, you know, coming up with the story and going through the process. We have a very strange method. Um, now, Erica and I met on a text-based role-playing site where we wrote hundreds of thousands of words together. And by the time we started writing this novel, we had gotten very good at bouncing back and forth, each of us playing individual characters. But that wasn't exactly going to work for this because we wanted a novel that sounded like one person wrote it, not like two people wrote it. So our process started, we divided the cast in half and we said, okay, these are your characters, these are my characters. And we'd sit down in a video call together and I would write a few paragraphs and we'd get to a line of dialogue and I'd be like, Erica, tag. She'd jump in, write the line of dialogue, write what the character did. I'd fix it to make sure it was in line with what my character would uh, think and analyze because we were in that point of view. And we just keep going until the end of a chapter and swap characters. Um, by the end of it, we'd both gotten so familiar with each other's characters that we were just um, able to write each other fairly fluidly with the other one, just kind of checking it over. But most of our writing is done in a mad fugue while we're both on video chat and we're literally just hopping back and forth line by line sometimes, giggling maniacally at 2 a.m. in the morning with, in this case, no idea where we were going for about 80% of it. And then only at the end being like, okay, we need to wrap this up. Well, 
this, this, and this. And it was a messy first draft and it took forever to rewrite. But I think some of it's, uh, it's a very dynamic book. And I think that comes from that kind of very um, fun-filled writing experience. I can, I can picture that. And it just, that kind of dynamic flow, I think, would, would almost have to be uh, the default function of that type of writing process from what I can think of. Yes, and the genre was the right genre for it. We were writing about sassy pirates, so we could just pour all of our just ridiculousness into this. There's a character who, who literally wears sequins and talks in rambling nonsense non sequiturs. So yes, we were very, very, very tired and like hung over on words by the time we were done, but it was an experience. We wrote it in six weeks and I don't think we slept a full night the entire time. That's great. But you know, I, I some of my, some of my favorite books that I've written and some of the ones that I think have gotten the best reception are the ones that come together quickly. Um, you know, that, you know, I, I don't, I know I'm not the person that believes that it takes a year or more to write a novel. I think, you know, some of the best stories out there, you, you talk to the authors and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I blasted that out in, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, four weeks, whatever. And it just flowed out of them. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's something to be said for that kind of speed because everything's still fresh reasonably in, in your exactly. mind. Exactly. Like fast drafting has a lot of downfalls. I talk a lot about it on my YouTube channel about, you know, the, it it's messy and oftentimes you have to do a lot more revision and sometimes you weren't actually prepared and you stall out. But when it works, when you're going in and you're just passionate about it you have the same vision in your head at the beginning and at the end and you can fully realize it without it getting overcomplicated or just I don't know I wrote Where Shadows Lie over 20 years it took me almost a million words most of which got thrown in the trash and I think it's a good book I think that I needed to write those million or so words to become an author that was good enough to then write an ACL in six weeks. But I don't know that Where Shadows Lie was the right approach. I, I am now pretty much set on wherever I can fast drafting. So let's shift gears and talk a little bit about Where Shadows Lie. Um, you know, it's a different, different type of book, different genre, uh, more, of a, a, a more of a classical uh, epic fantasy from what I can tell. Um, describe a little bit about where this story comes from, because obviously you, you came up with the other one in collaboration with Erica, but this one's all you. Well, not entirely. Um, I cannot say that because my process has always been collaborative at its core. I actually came up with the characters for Where Shadows Lie when I was eight years old. I had all these little Playmobil figurines. Uh, I was in Italy and my uh, next door neighbor, Sylvia, would come over every day and we would play stories. And in every story, we had the same characters, but we'd swap their roles and tell different stories with them. Um, and then I picked my favorite, <laughs> really, an amalgamation of a few, and started my first draft when I was about 12. Uh, finished that at around 300,000 words because I was a very overachieving youngster. And then um, I met 
someone who absolutely changed my life, and that is uh, my best friend, Tobias. And we had the sort of um, creative synergy during high school that had, but I mean, we did so much world building. We did so much story building. We wrote music. We got a ton of friends involved. So the world of Where Shadows Lie isn't mine. It's been created by people for years. And I can only take credit for kind of being one of the driving forces. As far as the story goes, though, um, it... It is impossible for me to tell what stages each piece fell into place. Um, again, I was working on it for for 20 years, uh, 21 actually. It's now old enough to drink. Um, <laughs> but it is a story about what happens when the tropes go sideways, when the chosen one dies and the princess is disabled and a badass and the rebellion fails and the farm boy hero is kind of over his parents' death and really has other like goals in life. And I think it really turned into me playing with all the tropes that I loved and seeing how many of them I could twist up while still telling a serious non-satirical story. I love that, that you, you, know, you kind of turn things on their head and, you know, people come to expect some things, but it's it, the best stories out there have twists on the tropes. Um, they're there, the tropes are there, but they're not quite as expected all the time. And I think that that, you know, that's where the freshness of, of new stories come from. So the um, kudos for, for working on that and, and coming through with it. Um, what's the next, you know, when you think about what you're working on, um, you know, you've put out two books um, over the course of about six months. Um, what's next? Are you going to stay in one series for a while or are you going to kind of bounce back and forth? Not in the slightest. Uh, when I started my indie publishing journey, I gave myself about a year and I said, in this year, I can write whatever I want. I can explore whatever genre I want. And I'm not necessarily going to make the best business decisions, but I'm going to make the best decisions. I'm going to make my mistakes early. I'm going to find the genres I love, and I'm going to find the ones I don't like all that much. And I'm going to follow my inspiration. And that led me to NACL. Uh, this May, a new co-author and I wrote 80,000 words in a fugue on a lit RPG, something I never thought I'd right? I'm not great at like real world urban fantasy-esque things. So that was fun. That'll come out eventually. We kind of um, stalled out on the project when we realized that we were telling the wrong story, but have a really fun story to tell. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, we are also, a whole group of us are working on a soft magic, very surreal, magical realism-esque fairy world. And we're going to be writing a whole big series of novels. There are four or five of us currently writing on them. So that's another thing. I'm writing my memoirs. I took a trip around the world in 2011, where I spent seven months country hopping solo. So I'm writing that. And of course, I'm writing sequels. So I'm writing the sequel to NACL. I'm writing the sequel to Where Shadows Lie. I'm writing little novellas and short stories. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it's funny. I just... Um... 
fin- I finished up uh, book eight in uh, an urban fantasy series I've been working on since the very beginning, and and people have been clamoring for another book in that series, and and then I jumped from that to um, book seven in my lit RPG series. So I completely get it. You you got to kind of go where the flow goes, and um and and also you know try to reach reader needs at the same time. So it it's you know it's part of being an artist you know, and, and a commercially successful artist is, is finding the places where the, your art and the audience need inter- intersect in some way. Oh yeah. I, I mean, there's, uh, I've definitely made a lot of mistakes like commercially. I'm again, not publishing in the same genres. I'm not picking a niche. I'm not necessarily writing to market or following tropes, but I have discovered that that's not the writer I am. And so I'm trying to build a different type of brand. I'm trying to build a brand around who I am instead of, you know, something that I could do for a year or two and then burn out. Um, so that's really what, what ended up being the discovery of this year is that I'm not a single genre writer and I probably never will be, but I've kind of always known that both NACL and where shadows lie exist in one larger multiverse. It's a collaborative project called AO collective. And so I've always known that there would be crossover. My arcane punk pirates are going to meet my high fantasy princesses and dragons not even like far in the future. They're going to meet in books two or three of their respective series. So in a way, I'm I'm kind of glad that I'm publishing in multiple genres because I don't want readers of my epic fantasy to be suddenly surprised when there's, you know, a madman in distressed skinny jeans and a, you know, sparkly t-shirt sitting on their, you know, temple altar, giving them weird pronouncements and talking into a computer. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I think that you can take readers on a journey and, and surprise them like that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think setting it as your brand is an important part of the process. Um, you know, I, I write a lot of different things in various genres, but I try to keep it all in, under the, the, the overall brand of, of, you know, writing something that's fun, a fun fantasy read. That's kind of my thing. I try to make it so that people can have that expectation when they pick up one of my books. Um, a, a friend of mine, Michael Anderley, um, you know, his first series, he called it, it was an urban fantasy, but he had always planned to reveal eventually that it was really science fiction. Um, and, you know, by book three or four, you're kind of like, wait a minute, this is all technology driven. There really isn't magic. <laughs> and, I love series like that. I mean, it's just like, but people at that point had bought into the characters so much and fallen in love with the main character, Beth, in the end, to the point that they were like, I don't, I don't care that it's nanites. <laughs> <laughs> she kicks ass. So, you know, yeah. and, and so I think that it's, um, and, you know, and she actually has a terminal illness. It's interesting that we were talking about, you know, people with, with physical illnesses and physical disabilities. Um, she has a terminal illness in the first book of that series, um, which is one of the reasons she like ends up getting what she ends up happening, happen, what happens to her. But, um, very interesting that I hadn't even made that connection, but, um, I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's um, Death Becomes Her is the first book in that series. So check it. You'll have to check that out. It's a quick read um, and, and a lot of fun, too, I think. Um, but anyway, um, so where do folks 
find you? I mean, where's a good place for people to follow what you're doing? I know you have a YouTube channel. Um, yes. where, where can people kind of catch up with what you're currently working on? So I am on YouTube pretty regularly as Plot Mom, um, which was a, a title given to me by Erica because she is a whirlwind of chaos and I show up with my um, spreadsheets and color coding, especially during edits and whack her over the head with the order stick. Um, but you can find me on Plot Mom on YouTube. I have my books up on Amazon. We are working towards having an audiobook too, so that'll be happening in the next few months. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as Author Allegra, the benefits of having a weird first name. And um, I have a pretty active Discord channel, which you can find on my Facebook and on my YouTube. And we have a lot of fun. It's readers and writers and just general nerdery. Awesome. Well, I will have links to a lot of that stuff in the show notes for this episode. So people can um, head over to fantasy-focus.com for this podcast episode and the, the notes will be there. If you subscribe in a podcast app, they'll also be inside the podcast app show notes. So you can find all those links there as well. Um, Allegra, it has been fantastic and fun chatting with you. Uh, I, I'm excited to see where you go next and, and, and where the rest of your books uh, head in the future. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This has been an absolute blast. It's really a pleasure. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Make sure you catch up with us for a whole lot more from the fantasy and sci-fi focus community, both on Facebook in their group over there and over at fantasy-focus.com, which is the home of this podcast. Leave a comment on that episode uh, wherever you are listening, and uh, we will go ahead and get back to you. I'd love to hear what's on your mind. Also on the website, on each podcast episode post, you'll find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app for iOS, Android, or even by email. Um, those links are right there at the top of the episode page, right below the audio player. So um, subscribe to the show and uh, don't catch, uh, don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. We've got some amazing people scheduled and some other special guests coming up soon. And you won't want to miss that. We're going to really wrap up the year with some great authors. That's it for this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook at Jamie Davis Books and at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com. While you're over there, you can get a free book if you want to check out my reading and writing. Uh, go ahead and check out uh, that by signing up for my newsletter while you're over at the website. Whatever you do, though, subscribe. Come back here to the next podcast to catch the next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your eyes open, folks. There's magic all around you. <laughs>